Welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith, founder and president of the Wealthcare Investment Center. Each week, we discuss strategies to help you preserve, protect, and enhance your wealth because saving for retirement is just the beginning. We've developed an innovative approach to retirement wealth and tax management, powerful strategies to help you get the most from your nest egg and help you live the retirement you want and deserve. Have a question for the team? Connect with us at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Or call 888-888-5601. 888-888-5601. Get More Retirement starts now. Welcome to Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. I'm Cheryl White. Coming up on the show today, the item that Costco can't seem to keep in stock every time a new shipment sells out in hours. We'll talk about that. Uranium prices are higher than ever. Car prices are dropping. And olive oil is often referred to as liquid gold. So valuable. Thieves just made off with truckloads. And guess who pays the price for that? Plus, living longer may come down to your best friend. Hello, Bruce Smith. Hey, how's Cheryl today? Cheryl is great. How's Bruce doing? Living the dream, you know. I'm, I'm having a good time, and, and life is short. You know, summer's kind of over, you know, which is kind of a little little sad. But fall is here. The foliage looks great, and the grandkids are having fun, so that's all that matters. What is your favorite time of year? Spring. I think spring is my favorite time. It is great because everything is coming up. It's green. It's new. But there's something to me about autumn that is... Oh, yeah. Ah, you know, it's the last blast of beautiful color before winter, and the, the crispness in the air. Oh. It's wonderful. So I'm excited about October and even parts of November. All right. Well, let's move on because I want to get to this story about this thing that Costco is selling that sells out in hours. They listed on their website and literally within hours sold out. And that's gold bars. I was really surprised to see this. First of all, why are they selling out like that so quickly? And second of all, what do you think about buying gold? The thing is, they're very, very close to the strike price. So they're selling one ounce gold bars for just right at about what it is. There's very little markup. Too often, you know, as people try to get gold or have access to gold, there's a markup. So it's not that it's such a bad deal. I get this question all the time about gold. You know, I want to own gold. I say, okay, so tell me what you specifically want to own. Do you want to own gold bars, cougarans, gold mining stock. There's a million different kinds of ways to have gold or gold-related investments. Then if it's for an IRA, you can't have it in your safe and say, that's my IRA. You have to have it with a custodian who is charging you a fee to store and inventory that. that you know, there was a story, I think it was two years ago, where one of these gold depositories, the SEC went in and it turns out he was sending out records of all this gold that he was storing for people and he didn't have any of it. He, he sold all of it. Oh. Millions of dollars worth. So, you know, gold is meant to be a hedge against inflation. And the price of gold, you know, you can track it over time and you get these hype radio shows or TV shows where they're saying, you know, look at the price of gold, what it's done. And when times are tough, you know, gold is king. And the idea of gold is, is is that physical gold you can take it with you. It's it's you know gold is worth what it's worth around the world. You know whether you're here or England or Greece or or Japan wherever you know you have a bar of gold. Okay, so you can sell that. But the thing I get all the time is you know what if the economy just craters? What if the world just goes to you know what? And it's like well time out. So what are you gonna do? Walk down the street with a barlow knife and a bar of gold and say I'd like a light loaf of bread. Here's a couple shavings of gold. You know that's not going to happen. So if you buy it for its intrinsic value and you and you look at it just as as having gold in my portfolio as a piece if you want physical gold that you could travel with it you know if that's something you want to do you know you're allowed to carry t up to ten thousand dollars without declaring it internationally so you know theoretically you could have four of these one ounce gold bars in your bag and that's okay and it would be compact you know but you, know, you have to you buy gold for the right reason. You can look at the returns on gold. There are precious metals funds. There are various precious metals related stocks that I think, you know, are more diversified, more a better strategy if you're trying to get actual capital appreciation. You have to own it for the right reason, not because somebody has shocked you or scared you into the reason for having gold per se. Well, we are just a few minutes into the show, Bruce, and I already learned something. This is What'd the way like? it is on the show t every week. I did not know that you could travel with gold bars. 
Oh yeah, you, I mean you can travel with anything. You know, it's, it's interestingly, I had a uh, prospective client. He never became a client, but he had a very interesting twist on things. The gentleman was, I think, from India originally. He said, you know, hey, I can travel with two million dollars tomorrow all over the world, and I'm like, okay, I'll bite. How? And <laughs> He has stamps. He has he has super ultra collectible stamps. He said, I can have them, you know, in my bag. I could have them, you know, inside my shirt. There's, they don't set off metal detectors. There's no weight to them. And I'm just like, wow, you know, okay, that's 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 a new one I've never learned or seen. But, hmm. you know, so, yeah, you can travel with things. But they're, what they're saying is if you're, you know, if you have something worth more than $10,000 that you're taking, because, you know, the idea is, you know, like if you had a bag full of diamonds, for example, well, you know, where'd you get them? Where'd they come from? What's the source on them? Did you pay tax to, to when you got them? Did you pay tax to, to import them? You know, so that type of thing. I mean, I specifically was in, um, I forget where we were at. We were coming back through through customs. And I had a gold Rolex watch on and they cleared us. And just as I was walking past, the guy literally grabbed my arm and stopped me. And he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I said, time out. I said, I've had that watch for four years. Look at it. It's scratched. It's because, you know, people will go to the Bahamas or the islands. They could buy a twenty or $30,000 Rolex or Breitling or something like a precious metal and be bringing it back in and not pay tax on it. So, you know, there's, there's lots of things with that. In this case, you're allowed up to $10,000. It can be in currency or in items. Do you find that you have some clients who come in and really want to invest heavily in gold? Or is that not something that people are very into right now? I don't get heavily in gold, no. But they want to have gold. And after about a five-minute conversation, 90% of them are like, well, I heard it on the radio. I thought it was a good uh. idea. You know, it's like you've got to go a little deeper as to why you want to own it. If they said invest in olive oil, you know, <laughs> would you do that? And we're going to talk about that. You know, we sure so. are. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's push gold aside and let's talk about cash, Bruce. Mm-hmm. How much cash? Now, I'm talking about keeping at home. Right. Not in a rainy day fund somewhere else, but right. at home. How much do you think is smart to have just in case an emergency happens, you're not able to use a credit card or a debit card. How much cash do you think is smart to have available? First of all, when it comes to cash, husbands and wives need to be honest with each other because typically, you know, women have the purse somewhere that they have cash in it. You know, some men will have what they call their mad money. They want to go out and they see something they want to purchase. I think really that you should have a couple thousand dollars, several thousand dollars, mm-hmm. somewhere safe, obviously. But, you know, if you, for example, let's say, again, I so I, I think it's important they talk about, you know, the credit cards, and the debit cards and whatever, you know. I mean, during, like when, in Florida, whenever we'd see like these power outages, you know, yeah, there were cell towers that had generators, but when the generator ran out of fuel, they still lost cell service. So there's just so many things that can happen where if you need something, cash is still that in-hand transaction. I think it's important. I'm a very old school guy in that, you know, I like to pay for things with cash because we talked about that on the show before, how when you use electronic money, uh, your credit cards or debit cards, there's a transaction fee. And every time that money gets handed to the next person electronically and goes down the chain, you know, the banks are profiting immensely from that money. So I think it's good to have a couple thousand dollars. And, and that might be a couple thousand for him and a couple thousand for her. But be honest where you guys you know, don't have just like you know $20,000 in cash sitting around the house. That doesn't make sense. Because remember, cash is a value, but it is, is not growing if you have it sitting in cash. So balance that out. But I think it's important to have. It's important if you want to take a trip. It's important if it's something you want to buy. And, and it's still a great negotiating tool. You know, if, if somebody is selling something and you want to make an offer other than the price they're asking, cash speaks very, very loud to that. So it, it can help you reduce your spending through good discussion and having the cash to be able to negotiate a better price. Well, you know, Bruce, the problem, if the power is out and you're buying in cash, someone would have to count out the change. Have you noticed how difficult it is for people now to count out change? Even if the computer tells them, that's the one that I have seen. I've seen, you know, where they've actually punched in the wrong value. And, and the change is wrong in that regard. Like, wait, this is the price, you know. In my head, I do the math quickly. Okay, I, here's my change, you know. And, and they're like, it's something different. Like, well, it doesn't make any sense. I had a case uh, last year. I, I pulled in to get fuel. Sorry, this is the reality we have today. So I got fuel. And I think I got $67 worth or whatever it was. And I had a $100 bill. So I went in and I paid with cash. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the teller was talking on her cell phone. And she's looking at the computer screen and gave me my change. I was kind of in a hurry. I didn't even look at it or count it. Shoved it in my pocket, right? 
and I drove home and, and so I'm, you know, I'm cleaning out my pockets, you know, and I'm like, wait a second, you know, and I, and I have this wad of bills and I, and I'm calculating and she gave me back what I spent. She was on her cell phone, not paying attention. I'm sure the screen told her what she was to do, but you know, yeah. I was checking out uh, at a store, a small store recently, and I handed the the cashier a, a bill. I don't know what it was. And he stood and just looked at it yeah. and looked at me and looked at it and looked at me. And finally, his supervisor came over and said, do you need some help? Yeah. And she counted it out. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, don't you, have, don't you have a card? I don't want to take this, oh. you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway. I, I, I love the ones that people, they, they go and they pay with two, a $2 bill, have a $2 bill in there. And, and, and like, this is counterfeit. You can't do You know, I mean, people call the manager. Mm-hmm. This guy's trying to pass f- funny money, you know. No, there are $2 bills, you know. And we had those dollar, um, what were they, the, the Susan B. Anthony right. dollar coins, right? You know, so we have some odd currencies, but yeah. We do. Yeah, you're right. Well, that was just an aside <laughs> because I've run yeah. into that myself. Oh, yeah. It's a changing world. Hey, Bruce, coming back, we're going to talk about beer. Specifically, how much beer was served at this year's Oktoberfest in Munich. So we're talking gallons here. So get a number in your head, and we'll talk about that next. Also, the rush on uranium, what's fueling the frenzy there, and new car prices. Fueling fueling the frenzy. I see what you did there. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. And new car prices are starting to come down. Is that actually a good thing? So much more ahead with Bruce Smith and Get More Retirement. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your nest egg's financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies can help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for your retirement income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a fresh diagnosis. Because managing your wealth can be just as important as managing your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the wealth care team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online. That's wealthcare.com. Pull out your leader hose in there, Bruce Smith. <laughs> I know you have a pair. Come on. Don't even try to kid me. The Oktoberfest in Munich ended October 2nd, and this year's festival was expected to draw about 6 million people. That would be the most since pre-COVID days. Wow. In fact, that would be the largest crowd since 2016. So we're talking about millions of people, 6 million. How many gallons of beer do you think were consumed. Well, I'm kind of a mathematics guy, so let's see. Six million people, and let's say they each drank 16 ounces of beer, uh, which we know is light. <laughs> That's about three-quarters of a million gallons. That's 750,000 gallons, mm. you know, I guess. Well, the average is one and a half million. So it's twice that. Mm-hmm. So they drank 32 ounces of beer each. <laughs> well, those steins are pretty big. That's true. That's true. Here's a subject you do know a lot about, and that's nuclear power. And I wanted to talk about that today, Bruce, because there apparently is a bull market in uranium. Market Watch is reporting that Element U prices are the highest they've been in 12 years because I guess it has to do with some of the, the climate requirements that are coming mm-hmm. up so they're trying to get to what is it a net zero emission yeah so so they're talking about nuclear power again and nuclear power had really kind of especially during the pandemic kind of quieted down people mm-hmm. weren't really talking about it but what do you think about nuclear power and what do you think about investing in the energy sector in general I'm a big proponent of nuclear power. I mean, obviously, I was a Navy nuke. I was in nuclear submarines. I worked in commercial nuclear power, which I, you know, I wasn't a big fan of commercial nuclear power. 
mainly because the flaw in nuclear power in America is we're Americans. We have to do everything bigger, better, better. I think Winston Churchill said it best. He said, you know, after failing and trying everything and getting it wrong, the last thing Americans do is they actually get it right. <laughs> you know, we try, but we always want to change mm-hmm. things. But Europe took a different approach in years ago on nuclear power. They said, okay, here's the design of a nuclear reactor. Now, if you want to bid on making those these parts, you know, GE and Westinghouse and combustion engineering, you can do that. You want to build a reactor vessel, put a bid in, you know, but they're all going to be the same. If you need parts, you, the same parts fit all the plants. In the U.S., you know, we came up with the first plant, the next plant, a bigger plant, a bigger, bigger plant, a bigger, bigger, bigger plant, and they were all unique. Everything was custom-made, custom-fit for that plant, and that's why cost just soared out of control. So a lot of factors that went into that. Now, what we're talking about, we're being, you know, we're looking at these salt reactors and different things and having a stabilized design of a small reactor. You know, we're going to have some of these reactors are literally the size. Everything is contained in a space the size of two sea containers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing what they're able to do with these. So if you build them and you make them the same, then your cost factor goes down, you know, exponentially. So there's there's great opportunities here to do this and do it right and get it right. You know, I think one of the interesting statistics that came out of this report was that there are 440 nuclear power plants currently operating in 33 countries. So 440 plants, they're generating 10% of the global electricity today. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, you're saying all electricity used worldwide is being handled by 440 nuclear power plants. So, you know, that tells you how efficient they are, you know, and they're not pumping out a, a ton of hydrocarbons or anything. The fuel load in one of these commercial reactors is a space probably like 15 feet high, 15 feet wide, and about like 15 foot square cube. I think this is a good thing, but the price of uranium, when they start saying it's, you know, $65, I think a pound, that's, that's for a pound of rock that contains uranium. That's not enriched uranium. I mean, so some of the things that you need for reactors, it's not like, you know, Hey, so you're telling me I can, I can buy, you know, three tons of uranium, go pick it up in my dump truck and, and power my house for the rest of my life. It doesn't work that way. Well, with this kind of revival of nuclear energy, do you think energy is a good place to diversify is that a good sector for for the rest of us to kind of think about well energy can be a little bit of a you have to be careful with energy it's it's kind of a misleader sometimes because you know like these the large utilities and things they'll buy fuel with, with what they call futures so they're locking the price you know into the future you know one two three four five years so with that you've got when those futures are expended, you know, and they need to buy fuel or set new pricing here, like, for example, here, you're seeing uranium is higher. So if you had a fuel cost uh, factored in at X for your electricity or whatever, and then, you know, they raise the price, well, you know, they're going to raise the electricity. Price. They pass that cost on to you. Emissions is a big deal today. You know, you've got companies like Tesla that are selling hundreds of millions of hydrocarbon credits to these utilities, you know, so they can keep operating because they can't meet certain specifications or what have you. It's like anything else. There is risk in that sector. You think that it's just energy and it doesn't really matter because utilities will always make money per se. That's not the case. If you're looking at here, the same as you said with gold, you're looking at uranium enrichment stocks, are you looking at uranium mining stocks? You want to have advice that, you know, how does it fit in the portfolio? And you want to be diversified. You don't want to say, okay, I'm going to buy XYZ company because I heard it might be doing this or might be, they're going to have a good dividend or Kramer had it on his show or whatever it is. Does it fit for what you're trying to accomplish as any investment? That makes perfect sense. You know, uranium's going up, but car prices are going down, Bruce. I mentioned that at the top of the show. <laughs> Kelly Blue Book says the drop in the average price this year is the biggest in over a decade. Is that that prices are normalizing or is that because the economy is possibly heading for a recession. Does that have more to do with inflation fighting, raising the interest rates, and then fear of what's ahead? Or are we normalizing? What do you think? It is supply and demand. It truly is. I think part of what Kelly Blue Book is saying, though, is that you know, prices were up in the ozone and, and you know, people were selling it, you know, sticker plus 10% or sticker plus 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever. I mean, Mercedes uh, G-Wagons, they were selling them for 200 grand over sticker. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, I mean, just there, there's a lot of insanity out there. So I think prices are coming down. 
but we are seeing the inflation of what it costs to build that vehicle. You know, so you have that. And then now, of course, what's going to settle out the auto strike? They want a 48% pay raise over the next two or three years or something. I mean, so that's, that's a lot of labor costs, it's you significant. know. Significant. It's huge. Yeah. So I think this is definitely an economic indicator that you're, this is a slowing down of things. I think we talked before about vacation homes, things like that. So people that were buying, you know, the big RVs, the vacation homes, now they're taking trips, they're enjoying themselves, but they're not buying the big ticket items. And cars have become a big ticket item. So no, I think this is a big indicator as to what is to come because I think, you know, everything is tightening up, you know, as a combination of the higher interest rates and inflation. The Fed is happy to keep inflation at bay, but they're not stopping or reversing inflation. So mm -hmm. remember that, you know. So here's a case where supply and demand, you know, is, has come to bear. It's a good time to buy a car, but negotiate, but also use the online tools that are out there. Because that's something I always tell people. I say, look, one of the best habits you can get into and this comes from a gentleman named Karras. I can't think of his first name. 30 years ago, when you flew on an airplane, the airplane magazine, every one of them had this centerfold in it. It had Mr. Karras, his watch where he said, in life, you will never get what you deserve. You'll get what you negotiate. And I always thought that was so powerful. So in the case of if you're retired and you say, I'm looking for a new vehicle, the harder you negotiate, the lower you get that price, the less of your retirement dollars you will spend for it. If you're nearing retirement, you know, again, conserving the capital you have, you know, retaining wealth is a very key factor in smart financial planning and really financial, how you live your life financially. So, yeah, I think it's a big deal. You just mentioned create wealth, retain wealth. And I just want to remind everyone that that's the title of Bruce's book. And you can pick that up on Amazon if you would like to learn more about Bruce and his take on retirement and how to make the most of your retirement dollars. I always like to mention your book, Bruce, because I got so much out of it. And I know other people will as well. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's designed for. It, it is a handbook of saying, you know, if you want to get the most out of your money, what are the opportunities that you should be looking for to take advantage of? You know, and that's something that you know, we're very staunch in teaching people is they think that retirement planning is picking the right investments. And I have to tell you, it, nothing could be farther from the truth. Having a smart portfolio that is truly tailored to probably what your real, true, honest risk potential is, but using opportunities and instruments that you may not even have had access to because an advisor or an online uh, outfit you were dealing with didn't have access to them. You know, you want to know what opportunities are available to you and then Will they fit your situation? How do you take advantage of as many as possible to keep as much of your money in your accounts as possible and keep it growing in a way that you're comfortable with? Well said. We have much more on the way. In fact, things are not always what they seem to be. The story of one red-faced amateur astrophysicist is coming up. Why thieves recently made off with thousands of liters of olive oil. There's a reason they call it liquid gold. Plus, caring for our pets can be expensive. Is pet insurance an option. Stay right here as Get More Retirement continues. You've been planning your retirement for some time, but now you are watching the economy and financial markets destroying your plan. If your path to retirement or through retirement is in question, it's time for a second option. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, we can help you elevate your planning to weather financial storms today and into the future. We know you don't want to postpone retirement or run out of money during retirement. So now is your best time to talk with an elite wealth strategist. Let us show you how our high level of planning and management can help you protect and grow your wealth during volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for a sustainable retirement income. Let us help you get your planning back on track and moving in the right direction. Now is the right time to upgrade your plan. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the Wealthcare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. Smith, a possible meteor crash was big news in Ireland recently. An astrophysics enthusiast stumbled onto a large crater on a Dublin beach, thought he had made a major 
scientific discovery. And then when they found a small, heavy rock inside, well, everybody said meteor crash. Everybody's talking about it. Radio, TV, everybody. It's all over YouTube. But guess what? It was more comic than cosmic. The crater was just a hole in the sand. A couple of guys dug a big hole to cool off because it was hot on the beach. <laughs> so they just dug a hole and, and just climbed inside to cool off a little bit. So it just goes to show you, check before you open your mouth. It's like crop circles, you know. It, it, I love these videos and, and shows they do where you know, they actually show the people that have these things like they stomp on them to stomp the corn down and stuff. And, and, and they're incredibly well engineered, you know. But they, you know, they, they go out in, in one night and do, you know, maybe have 20 people and they create these things like a you UFO. You those are real? They're real. They're created by the man, you know. But, um, now, now that, but that being said, I mean, I mean, the, the stuff you see in the, they thought was done by the Incas in the mountains down in South America and stuff you can see from a plane. I mean, the Nazca lines. A lot of that, yeah, that, yeah. I'm like, hey, you know, that's. I mean, that was what, what was I'm going way back machine here. What was it? Eric Eric von Danny Danikin? Yeah, Chariots of the Gods. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, a, that was a pretty interesting movie. Yeah, it really was. So it makes you wonder. It sure does ask a lot of questions. So yeah. from there, we go to the yield curve. You make the connection. It's showing some improvement from earlier this year, Bruce. Normally, longer-term yields are higher than short-term mm-hmm. yields. Right now, it's the other way around. It's kind of like backwards. Barron's reports that the relationship between the two is normalizing. So before we get into that part, can you explain what the yield curve is? Well, the yield curve is is what they're seeing as far as bond returns. If you're investing in bonds, normally the normal is that if you're investing in a bond and you want liquidity in 90 days, 180 days, a year from now, whatever, you would certainly expect that the interest would be less on that than it would be on, say, committing to a five-year bond or something like that. So when they talk about a normal curve, the longer you're willing to tie up the money, the better the yield you can normally get. And with that, you know, you can plan. You say, okay, mm-hmm. I, bought, I bought long bonds. I know I'm getting this. As long as the bond doesn't default, then I'm good. So, you know, what's happened, though, is interest rates have, have crept up rather mightily, you know, in, in, in step with what the Fed has done. And the, the bond issuers are saying, well, yeah, I don't know that it's going to hold at the rate that it's at right now. I think you're going to see rates regress somewhat. So we're not going to make that commitment and try to be superlative over the short-term rates because they'd have to be up to some pretty heavy numbers. I saw a credit line the other day that the client had. And I think they used to have like a 3% rate and it's at 9 You know, Ooh. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's real. So. Yeah, so that's why you're seeing that, uh, and I agree with the bond issuers. I think I think rates are too high right now for you to try to have a higher rate long term than what what is currently out there. So, saying it's normalizing, I don't know that it's normalizing as fast as it needs to, but but definitely it, it is starting to happen. So Barron's is correct in that. Is this a good time to buy bonds long term? Warren Buffett had a very interesting comment about bonds. He said you should never buy bonds. <laughs> Okay. And, and that goes against 99% of what you hear from Wall Street and advisors because, you know, they take the, and, and I use the term, the lazy approach. It's like, okay, answer a few questions. Oh, here's your risk score. And so you're, what's appropriate for you is a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks or stock market investments, 40% in bond or bond-related investments. You build the portfolio, you buy those assets, you put them in there, and you're off to the races. So you're looking at your bond holdings and you know, over the long term, the bonds will not yield in almost all cases. I mean, I can't predict the future, but they won't yield what equities will, will hold. So that's why Warren Buffett is saying, hey, it doesn't make sense. You know, bonds are very boring. The yields are low, what have you. If you're looking to have a good rate on something, look at those long-term bond yields. But they're still not adequate in my book. They're talking about two-year treasuries, I think that are at like five, got to be over six or, or really preferably over seven. We're not there yet. You know, Bruce, planning for retirement can be really complicated. You know, when I listen to you describe all of the different the aspects of, of yield curve, for example, diversification, I realize just how much there is to know. And that's something that you know But the rest of us, that's hard to keep up with because we have our lives and other things we're focusing on. So if someone calls and wants to set up an appointment with you to get uh, the wealth care checkup, 
What exactly will that encompass? What do you talk about? What is your goal? We're kind of a reverse firm compared to a lot of them out there. A lot of firms want to bring in-house everything you're doing, looking at it, and then saying, here's all the things we can do better. We basically don't do that. We start with a clean sheet of paper and we're, you know, we actually have a checklist or a assessment, if you will, which we'll go through and say, these are different opportunities that retirees have utilized to maximize their, their wealth over time. And you kind of go right down the list. I think there's 12. And you say, you know, for example, this opportunity, is this something, first of all, that if it was available to you, you take advantage of it? Yes or no? Okay. And then to your knowledge, are you currently taking advantage of that type of opportunity? So, for example, one of them might be, you know, are you taking advantage of an opportunity that would eventually reduce or even eliminate your RMDs, which, you know, we look at RMDs and we call them, you know, forced taxable income. It's forced taxable income. It's what it is, required distributions out of a retirement account. And But if you could reduce them or eventually eliminate them during your retirement years, would you want to take advantage of that opportunity? And I, I find almost 100% response, yes, I would like to do that. Are you currently doing that? No. I didn't even know you could, mm -hmm. you know, and that's we hear that all the time. So we start with the assessment and go through that. And then based on that, you know, we will build a plan that is what you told us you wanted by what you wanted the design to be. But then, you know, we will look at what you're currently doing and we're able to show a comparison saying, okay, now, for example, this was what you said you wanted in the area of risk assessment, where you, know, you could minimize your risk over time, maximize the opportunity, you know, kind of Warren Buffett's approach, having a portfolio that has more upside potential than downside potential. When we compared that to your current portfolio, over your lifetime, this is about a $300,000 improvement. So it's costing you about three hundred grand to do things the way you're doing it now risk-wise versus what you could be with about 30% less risk. You know, you're not currently doing any tax planning. Our plan had this, the current plan you have, you're going to basically be paying another $400,000 in taxes that you could have, you know, not paid had you had smart tax planning, things like that. So it's not a case of let's talk about everything you're doing and show you what we can do better. It's really, let's help you to design a plan that you like, that it was built for you, specifically for you. And then let's compare that plan to what you're doing now and things that maybe you're not doing, but what's the cost of not doing them over your lifetime? And do you want a plan that'll have, you know, the right fit, the best fit for you? And everyone is different. So that's the important point to take away from that is what's the right fit for you? Yeah, and, and not not 100% of them. I mean, so we, we do get times where people come in and for example, their income structure might be such that, you know, tax planning really doesn't help them because they're, they're drawing down at a significant rate. We find people that, that are already taking advantage of certain tax or, or risk reduction, risk mitigating strategies. It's not really costing you much because your plan is actually pretty much in line with what you told us you wanted. So, you know, and we're very objective and honest with people. You know, we had a gentleman come in with a million five uh, in Harrisburg. He did his assessment. We built a plan compared to what he was doing now. And there were some improvement points, but not super significant. And he said, no, you make these carburetor adjustments to what you're doing now, and you're good. He's like, well, when do I move my money to you? And it's like, you don't move your money to us. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you know, there's no justification. There's no reason to move the money to us because mm -hmm. what you're doing is fine, you know. And he's like, so you're not – Yeah, I said, no. I said, we, we're objective. I said, but if you, like what, if you like the experience you've had, please share it with friends of yours that maybe we can help. And the guy was just blown away and, and he sent us three or four good people, you know. So they're not going to tell you, you know, hey, you have to work with us because we're that much better. If we're not better, we're going to tell you that, you know, and people are looking for that honesty and that objectivity. That's a key. Yes, absolutely. We'll give you the number to call for wealth care in just a few minutes. But I want to get to the olive oil story, Bruce. You know, we've had such problems. Popeye's girlfriend? <laughs> Not that olive oil. I go, 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 go. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, there was a bathroom tissue, and then the egg thing, and then rice, and now it's olive oil. You know, weather is a problem right now for the yes. olive crop. Yes. And prices have surged so high that there was an olive oil heist in Spain. Wow. They call it liquid gold in Spain and Greece and, and Turkey mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just so such a valuable commodity. Yeah. Those thieves stole about $450,000 worth of olive oil. Whew. Yeah. And it's so bad. I'm, I'm hearing stories that in places, I believe it's Greece, where they normally have olive oil on the table. They aren't anymore. You have to ask for it. 
Oh, wow. Because it's becoming such short supply. So it just reminds me that it must be difficult for some business owners with an economic climate like this with so much uncertainty. And on top of that, you put things like weather, which is totally out of your control. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that kind of, I don't know what's going to happen this year. I'm just trying to keep, you know, the doors open. So that's supply and demand. I mean, that's yeah. how it works, you know. But olive oil, just like so many other commodities on the planet, is also subject to another interesting point, which is information. The information stream. You know, I, I was recently in a place that, I kid you not, on shelves, there was probably 70 feet long I'm talking about one shelf now, Mm -hmm. of all different olive oils, which amazed me to no end. But I was in a uh, wonderful uh, little Italian place that does all the commodities and stuff for making some incredible Italian food. And they have some of their own, you know, really great peppers and things like that. But they have this giant glass jug, if you will. And it's on like a thing it tilts over, you know, so you can take stuff out of it. It's actually virgin first press. It's like so it's first pressing out of the olives, mm-hmm. and it was very pricey. But you know, I got some, and I got to tell you, it, oh my god, it was amazing. You know, <laughs> it we, is. We made some bread dips and things, and had a little bit of cooking with it. So everything has become so informational. You know, it used to be olive oil was olive oil. I, I mean, I, I don't doubt that there was a time when you would. You could mix your, you know, you just pressed it and pressed it and pressed it. You know, it didn't really matter. You mixed it together and sold it. Uh, A friend of mine, I'll never forget, he said, Bruce, he said, I remember when we used to go to the butcher and he would give us chicken wings to use for bait for crabs because nobody would buy them. You know, and now we're paying, what, $15 uh-huh. a dozen for wings? You're like, really? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this is what, this is information, you know, this is what happens. So, Well, you know, Bruce, be- when I was researching this story, I learned a new term that I was unfamiliar with. It was, it's inelastic. And they were saying that there are some items that people will buy, tend to buy, no matter how high the price. Mm-hmm. So if you want olive oil, you're going yeah. to buy olive oil. Right. Exactly correct. So I don't know what would stop anyone from raising the price of olive oil if we're going to buy it anyway. It was the same thing with uranium. You know, the utilities are going to buy uranium no matter what it costs if they're building a nuclear power plant because you can build everything all around it. But without the uranium, you have nothing. Interesting. So same thing, yeah. Well, coming up, we're always looking uh, for the secret to a long life. Why one professor says positivity may be overrated. We'll tell you what he sees as the key to a long life. And is pet insurance worth it? We'll look at the pros and cons. Bruce Smith and Get More Retirement. We'll be right back. Are you afraid to look at your financial statements? Are you shredding them without opening them? If so, it's time for you to get a second opinion from the Wealthcare Investment Center. At WealthCare, our portfolios are designed using proven risk reduction strategies to help protect and preserve your wealth during market downturns while maintaining the opportunity for strong growth when the market turns upward. All of our wealth managers are fiduciaries that will always put your interest above all others. If you need a plan to better manage the ups and downs of the financial market, we are ready to help. Let us help you explore the opportunities available from using a higher level of planning and management for your wealth. Instead of shredding or avoiding your financial statements, let's take a look at them together. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the WealthCare team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online at wealthcare.com. That's wealthcare.com. You and me going fishing in the dark, lying on our backs and counting the stars for the cool that's going back a few years, isn't it? Nitty Gritty wow. Dirt Band. Wow. Holy cow. Fishing in the dark. Yeah. Okay, so I played this for you, Bruce Smith. I used to fish in the dark with my dad with a carbide light. Did you? Yep. 
Well, that's got to be a great memory for you well, then. I wonder how many how many listeners out there know what a carbide light even is. <laughs> I don't think I do. Oh, you don't? I don't think so. It's what the miners used back in the day. It, it's a really neat little brass canister, and you put these stones in the bottom of it. In this can, and you put water in the top, and there's a little arm that you move on how much water you want to drip in on these stones. And when you combine water with these stones, you get acetylene. And so the gas comes out through this little jet, and you light it. So it's actually a fire and a reflector. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look look it up. Look up miner's lamps, acetylene lamps. Yeah, that's what we used to fish with. We had like an eight-inch one, and that was, you know, it was great because it would draw the bugs. And the, that was one light when the, when the bugs were drawn to it. They never escaped. <laughs> <laughs> it was their last trip. <laughs> they, they, they were fried, yeah. Yep, yep. Well, this sort of has to do with that, in a way. An Israeli food company has created what is believed to be the first ever real fish fillet produced by a 3D printer. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Stakeholder Foods teamed up with Singapore-based Umami Meats. It's a joint effort, and according to the CEO of Umami, the fish flakes, tastes, and melts in your mouth exactly like fish should. I love the name Stakeholder Foods. Like We think of stakeholder, S-T-A-K-E holder, of like a person who holds a stake and a company owns owns stock. This is stake, Mm S-T-E-A-K holder. Yeah, that that was pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know. I'll admit I tried what's Burger King called. Call their not a real burger thing. I oh, can't oh. think of. Yeah, I can't think of it either. But I couldn't tell the difference. I don't want to admit that, but I, I really <laughs> like. Yeah, this tastes just like a Whopper. Tastes exactly the same. But I'm just not into this. It is interesting how much beef we consume on this planet, and. The and I think we talked before on the show about it, didn't we? About the, the, how much water and how much feed it takes, mm-hmm. you know, to make a pound of beef. We're people. We're just there's so many people on the planet. Like, how are we going to feed everybody? So it's coming. Well, you know, plant-based it's, foods are, in some cases, r- really good. The burgers, the Impossible Burgers, for example, yep. and some of the chicken. Really, honestly, you can't tell. I haven't tried the chicken. I I, I don't. It's some just, good, it's, some not, but they're it, getting there. It, it's hard. It's really hard for me. You know, it just. I remember years ago walking. I was in. Uh, we pulled into Weymouth, England, on the submarine, and and I was with a British naval officer, and we're going up through up through the street there, and there was a Burger King, and I started into it, and he grabbed me on the shoulder, said, "No, no, let's go up here," and I'm like, "Well, no," he said, "Let's go up here." Okay, so we go up the street and walked into a Burger King, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm confused," and he goes, "See this in the window? All products." 100% pure beef. He said that one did not have the sign. He said it could have been camel. It could have been, you know, anything. Oh. I'm like, really? Yeah. So, I mean, because over there, it's, every Burger King is not the same. I'm like, hmm, interesting. So, international travel, there's something to watch out for. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. This 3D printed, I, I don't know. It just, it seems to me between the steroids and everything else, like, you know, we're just, we don't know what we're eating. And is our body really built for that? Or is it, you know, more cancerous or I, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I, I fear for my grandchildren. I really do. I don't know. Well, I, I see what you're saying and I'm not sure I want to try this quite yet, but we'll see because they're going to continue doing this for sure. Just to see how far they can push this 3d printing. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. They're 3d printing bridges. They're 3d printing houses yeah. now. I mean, it's just, it is amazing. I, I still do not own a 3d printer. It's kind of amazing. I mean, my, my friends are just stymied that I have all the tech toys. Um, Mr. High tech that I don't have a printer yet. I'm, that is kind of interesting. I'm thinking about it, but yeah, yet. you're thinking about <laughs> not yet. it. Not yet. <laughs> hey, Bruce, a lot of people say that positivity is one of the keys to living a long life. Amen. But a former personality psychology professor told CNBC that the effects of just being positive are overstated. He says the top trait linked to a long life is how organized and disciplined you are. What do you think? Well, let's see. Disciplined? Yeah. Organized? No. <laughs> Einstein's desk was always a mess, you know, so. Uh, I, I, hey, I, he I, probably knew where every single thing was. Oh, now you're you're really going to open that door, aren't you? Because my wife is the most organized person in the world. But every time we go, we need something. It's like I can't find it. I'm like, well, I'm sure it's in a container somewhere that you put it somewhere that it's nice and neat, you know. <laughs> and and me, like, she reads my stuff up, and I just it makes me like I knew where that was. Now I don't know where that is, you know. Well, and, I have a very organized mess. 
it may not look neat to you, but I know where every single I know where thing everything is. is. Yeah. But, but God forbid you send somebody else to get it. Oh, gosh. That's the, forget <laughs> the wheels come off. Yeah. So I think mentally it's comforting if you're organized. You know, you're not constantly challenging yourself. Where is that? It's over there. You know, if it's labeled, you know, you're more of a robot. You can go to that area and look at the labels and go, bang, there it is. So you can kind of see what he's saying. I think it's a little less stressful in life. Mm -hmm. The positivity, I think, is very, very important. I do, too. Um, I, I, I really, really believe that. And also being active. It's really funny. Mrs. Smith and I were talking about going away for a month. And, and for the first time ever, you know, to go south in January or something. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I, this morning I look, I said, Monica, I, said, I don't know what I would do for four weeks. I honestly don't know what I would do. You know, if I'm out of my element, I'm not where I normally am. I don't, I'm not doing the things I normally do. I don't know what I would do. She like, she was, I would go to the beach. Well, I, I won't lay in the sun. That's not me. I wish she wouldn't sometimes <laughs> because that cancer thing scares me. But mm -hmm. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, you've got to be active. You've got to be around people. You've got to have, you know, keep your brain functional. You know, keep thinking about things. Be challenged by things, I think, is very important. Knowing that you have a lot of things that you need to get done on this earth. You know, will you get them all done before you die? No, you won't. But, you know, but I think that having that goal, having that moving forward, not sitting there going, oh, woe is me, because that'll put you in the ground quicker than anything. Oh, I agree. They call this organized discipline sort of lifestyle as conscientiousness. I practice that. Yes. You're welcome. Do you see any correlation in your clients between people who are organized? They come in with all of their financials in order, ready to go and being happier or living longer? I think wealthy people have it right in that they, they focus on things which are manageable, they ignore everything else, and they just won't waste their time with it. And I think that's an amazing trait. I think that many of them live a long, healthy life out to late 90s or 100, you know, 100 plus. And so, you know, I think it's important that you, you categorize things. People that are organized to the point where they have all their finances, if they, now they're micromanagers, then it's counterproductive, I believe. But if you have people that have, you know, their stuff in order, they know what they have, you know, it's, it, it, the planning is easier. The management is easier. It's a, it's a more fluid relationship. I think, but they, I don't think they worry as much. So I think that's the key mm. is that, you know, you have security and you feel that security. You can see that, handle that security in that you're able to, you know, have a lifestyle and live a life and not worry about things. I mentioned retirement to Mrs. Smith. She loses her mind. Oh, what are we going to do? You know, like, <laughs> and that's the reaction of a lot of people. You know, I mean, we have people that come in with several million dollars, and and one of the spouses still frags out because they're talking about retiring. I mean, we won't have a paycheck anymore. Well, you'll be okay. You know, <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, another key to a long life, Bruce, according to a lot of people and some studies too, is having a dog. A report yeah. published in the journal Circulation a few years ago, in fact, found that dog owners live longer than those people who do not have a dog. And the benefit was really greatest for those who had a history of a heart attack, a 65% reduced risk of mortality because they had a pet. I, mm -hmm. I think that helps keep you active, and that goes back to something you just mentioned. Sure. But it makes me also wonder about pet insurance. I see this all the time on TV, people talking about it. Mm -hmm. And, of course... Care for pets can be very expensive. What do you think of pet insurance? I know that the vet bills are expensive. You know, we have them with our cats. The thing with pet insurance is, I mean, you can have cancer insurance for yourself. You can have pet insurance. All of these things are actuarially based. You know, and we always say the insurance company knows that you're you're not going to need this. Majority of the people who purchase this will not need it. Therefore, they're spending money for something they won't need. But for those that have it, and need it, it's the best investment they ever made because you're basically leveraging. I only pay this amount and I know that I'm covered for these events. Mm. With multiple pets, this thing really gets muddy. But if you have a singular pet that is aging as you are, you don't want to go to the vet and say, well, no, I don't know that we can afford that. And believe me, you know, you see some of the prices of what anything costs, an x-ray or whatever for a pet, it's amazing. I think it makes sense if it's, with, again, it's, you put it within the budget and, and you say, does this make sense? Um, I think it does in a lot of cases. If you get, if you have a singular pet, if you have multiple pets, then it's a real challenge. Bruce, have you had a client who made a provision for their pet or pets in their will? Yes, absolutely. Is that common? 
No, it's not common, but, but we definitely have had it. And, and we've met some of the pets, and I have to say it was well-deserved, you know, <laughs> because they are a family member. You know, we have good friends who never had children, and we're very, you know, hey, when I retire, we're going to just do all these wild and crazy things. And they, and they were doing that for a while, and then they got a dog, and we've fallen in love with the dog, too, as much as any child. I mean, they just really relish the, the dog. And, you know, if they're gone, I saw a thing the other day that was so important. You know, it says, when I die, make sure, let my pet see me that mm. I'm dead. Because, you know, if you don't do that, my pet is going to think that I left them alone on purpose and never thought of them. You know, I think there's a reason. I think there's sound reasoning in that, you know, so... Oh, you just touched my heart, Bruce Smith. You know, I think it's very important. You know, I mean, that's the beauty of wealth care and our relationship with our clientele is that we share so many things that are not monetary. That I think are important for that quality of life and, and for that, that idea of, I mean, there's a great case, like, you know, that you just made, you know, you gave me an idea of something. And if you're listening, I, I really do believe that's very, very important. And, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we, we, most people never think about, but now you know about it. And knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. That's why we do this show, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is like my 18th year doing this. God, I don't know where that, <laughs> where that went, you know, but yeah. Wow, you're closing in on two decades here. <laughs> All right, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for joining us for Get More Retirement with Bruce Smith. And in case you missed the number for wealth care, it's 888-888-5601. We'll be back next week, same time. Hope you will be too. Until then, have a great week. Rock the boat, don't rock the boat, baby. Rock the boat, I don't get the boat. What do you do when you get a health diagnosis that doesn't look so good? Most likely, you'll get a second opinion. Shouldn't you treat your wealth the same way? Your nest egg's financial health has probably declined to the point that you should get an updated diagnosis for your investment portfolio. At the Wealthcare Investment Center, a second opinion with one of our elite wealth specialists will include exploring a variety of higher-level planning and management strategies for your wealth. Our proven strategies can help you protect and grow your wealth in these volatile markets, reduce your retirement taxes, and build a more durable plan for your retirement income. We look at all possible opportunities to improve your financial health. So take a deep breath, give us a call, and let us give you a fresh diagnosis. Because managing your wealth can be just as important as managing your health. If you have saved at least $500,000 or more for your retirement, get a second opinion today from one of our elite wealth specialists. Schedule your complimentary wealth checkup today. Call the wealth care team now at 888-888-5601. That number again is 888-888-5601. You can also visit us online. That's wealthcare.com. Advisory services offered through the Wealthcare Investment Center, a registered investment advisory firm. Insurance products and services offered through American Assets Financial Corp. and RIA Wealth Solutions LNC. The information contained in the material provided is for informational purposes only, and no statement contained here should constitute tax, legal, or investment advice. Our program content is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. You should seek advice on legal and tax questions from an independent attorney or tax advisor. Our firm is not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. This radio program is sponsored by the Wealthcare Investment Center.